Welcome to the Maniverse Podcast. With your host, Tom Traplin, this is session number 49. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I am your host, Tom Traplin, and today's show, we have a good one for you. We are talking to perhaps a, uh, a familiar... We're talking to possibly uh, somebody who's familiar to you. You may have noticed him speaking on the roundtable editions of these podcasts. Uh, you may have been wondering, what's his story? You know, you may have been curious. Well, you can be curious no longer. Today, we have the prior history. We go deep into the background and the experiences of the one, the only, Gary Sproul, which is a name... I'm pretty sure I'm mispronouncing, but I'm pretty sure it's Sproul. I like to Sproul it up. So, Gary Sproul is the subject of today's podcast. We uh, yeah, we have a pretty good conversation. We talk about you know the haunted game cafe and what makes it tick. How did it get to? Like, how did Gary end up with one of the oldest game cafes in North America? That's that's the subject of today's podcast. And uh, yeah, it's a, it. I, I had a lot of fun with this one. And I think Gary had a lot of fun with this one, too. At least, at least he told me, so. I think you guys will like it a lot as well. And I just want to mention one more time, if you are listening to this episode prior to August 9th, you can get in on a pretty good deal right now. So last week I mentioned my affiliate link for Bluehost. I'm going to prop it up and throw it out there again for you guys. The uh, the link, in case you're wondering, is maniversaga.com forward slash Bluehost. And if you go through that link... If you're in the market for a new website or a new web host, I definitely recommend you check out Bluehost because on on August 9th for one day only, they are offering 12 months for $2.95 per month, which is a crazy good rate. And for one of the most reliable web hosts out there, I would definitely recommend you uh, check them out and if this is something you're going to be doing august 9th is a great day to check this out so if you're listening to this after the fact bluehost is always still an option they're still a great rate maniversaga.com forward slash bluehost and with that being said let's find out what gary sprawl and the haunted game cafe are all about all right guys welcome to another episode of the maniverse podcast i'm your host tom traplin and i have with me my special guest for a one-on-one interview the man with a fantastic mustache gary sprawl Hello, everyone. Thanks for uh, thanks for asking me. No problem. I'm glad you came on the show to uh, give us some of your backstory. People have heard you talk already. At least you know previous listeners to the episodes have uh, heard you describe your shop. So we're gonna go a little bit deeper into the haunted game cafe today. Okay. Uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about how businesses get run. Yeah. We're also gonna talk about you. Oh dear, that's bad. <laughs> Well, I'm sure people are curious. Who is the man behind the voice of Gary Sproul? So let's let's start. Let's start with you. Let's uh, you know, prior to the Haunted Game Cafe, you know, what what have you uh, been up to? Well, let's see. Before owning the shop, let's see. This is career number three for me. Uh, the first was in the film industry. I was a cameraman in uh, in Hollywood for. Many years, 12 years, I think it ended up being. Um, that was a very interesting, very rewarding experience. I, um, I got a little tired of that, 
and I changed over to working in the video game industry in Los Angeles. So I worked as a game designer for THQ and a lot of electronic arts for almost 10 years. And then I got a little tired of that. And I decided I would rather be my own boss than work for somebody else. And looked around for the best job that uh, I thought I could handle myself. And game stores was one of the ones that keep coming up over and over and over. That's that's fascinating. So, well, okay, before we get into the game store, how did you get into Hollywood and become a cameraman and then parlay that into game designer? Those are pretty, like, separated. They're, they're three very, very separate careers, yeah. and, and one didn't really lead into the other. Uh, I started in the film industry because I have a degree in film. I actually okay. went to NYU for a, for a degree in film, started in Manhattan, and then if you're in the film business, you you end up in L.A. There's just so much work there that you pretty much have to live there. So I moved out to L.A., started in commercial work, and then started doing uh, um, television shows and feature films. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful job. The people that you work with, and you work with them super closely, it's, it's a really great, rewarding job. Uh, it's also extremely high stress. When you get into the upper levels of filmmaking, they... They uh, they pay you a lot of money, which is great, and uh, they want they want it to be perfect because every second counts when you're on a film set. So the stress gets to be gets to be pretty uh, pretty high. How I got into the video games was just sheer dumb luck. I um, I started I decided that I would be good in video games because most of the cinematics in video games were terrible, and I was a cameraman, so I figured I could make better cinematics than that. So I just applied to every video game place in LA and managed to get an interview and they hired me and it was as simple as that. I was a game designer. So I, I started as a level designer and so I would lay out the actual physical levels of the game and, uh, worked my way up, uh, through those ranks. So you didn't actually like use your cinematic skills right off the bat for game design? I actually didn't. There was a little bit of cinematic work that I used my uh, my cameraman skills for, um, but yeah, the thing that I that I said was my big qualification, I ended up using using very little cinematics. Even to this day, a lot of work doesn't really go into cinematics. It goes into the gameplay, which is where it belongs. Yeah, yeah of course. That's the cinematics are the eye candy. The gameplay is the core. If you get the gameplay wrong, it doesn't really matter how pretty your cinematics are. For the most right. part, for the most part. So I had a I had a pretty steep learning curve about learning about game design and and learning how all the systems and all the parts of uh, of games work together. But it was great because I was able to start something completely new and really learn a lot of new things. And I found that I I like that. I like to be able to, you know, step into something and say, I don't know, teach me. Tell me how this works and, mm. and learn new stuff. It's it's incredibly rewarding, yeah. and it's helped with uh, it's helped with starting a, a game store. It's nice to be able to to go. I don't know how that works. Tell me, right? And to go to other game store owners and go, you're doing this really well. I'm terrible at it. Please Teach tell me, me how you Teach do this. Me. Teach me. Yeah, let me learn something. It's great. And I I love that attitude because I share it. You know, lifelong learning. That's very important. That's kind of the whole reason this thing exists that we're doing this podcast. So, got to impart some wisdom. So, when you went from 
THQ and EA, and you decided, I want to do something my own. I want to be my own boss. How did that transition go? Like, did you, uh, did you go the traditional route where you're just kind of like, oh, I'm going to save up some cash and I'm going to start a game store? Or was it like, did you try other things and consider other possibilities first? I considered lots and lots of other possibilities before I started the game store. I did business plans for two or three other businesses. Um, I did a bit, obviously I did a business plan. Well, maybe it's not obvious, but yes, I did a business plan to start my game store and you should too. I agree. Um, because <laughs> they are absolutely essential. It doesn't seem like it's very useful when you're doing it, but as you start discovering more and more things, the business plan will, will show you surprises and it will help prevent surprises. And in business, surprises are bad. <laughs> there really are no good surprises. So the business plan helps you find those gotchas. Yeah. You don't usually so, yes. find out that, oh, man, I overestimated and it's half as expensive. That's great. No, it's usually the right. the reverse. No, it's the, opposite. it's the opposite. Oh, my gosh. A sign costs $3,000? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's a lot of things so I, you find out in the research. I was in a I was in a pretty good position at the time. I'd had quite a bit of money saved up. And remember, this is the age before Kickstarter, which strangely has become the vehicle for raising money for game stores. Um, so I, um, I I was in a position where I you know saved up enough money, and my wife and I both wanted to leave Los Angeles. So we we were in a position where we could go, we could move anywhere in the country and start any business we want. So let's have a you know genuine heart to heart talk about where we want to go and what we want to do. So how did you end up with the Haunted Game Cafe? What uh, what drove you to that? To the to the theme or to the how it's built out? Well, to the game store. Like why a game store out of all the other possibilities and then also like why where you are, like why your location. I finally decided on game store because it was the one business plan I couldn't stop working on. It was the it was the one thing that I felt that I could reasonably teach myself. Most of the other plans that I had involved some degree of manufacturing, which was so outside of my field of experience that I would have needed an expert to come in and teach me. Um, so that was the that was the plan that I that kept coming over to over and over, and and then I just stumbled upon um, the Games Manufacturers Association, which is called Gamma. Mm-hmm. And they had a long series of educational recordings that other game store owners had done. So I started listening to those as podcasts. And there's just a treasure trove of information from game store owners that owned multiple stores and had been doing it for years. So that was basically the equivalent of of having a mentor is listening to these recordings from the Gamma seminars and having just this amazing wealth of wisdom. So that was the that was the reason I decided Game Store was the best thing to do, and right about then, people were starting to talk about uh, the game cafes that were happening in Asia, mostly in Korea, some in uh, some in other parts of Asia, and there was there was quite a bit of interest of people going, "Wow, so you have a cafe in a game store," and I decided that. I well, I had always had a deep, deep love of coffee. I'd always been a coffee geek for years, mm. so I decided that that was something that I could comfortably include in a in a game store plan was adding a adding a coffee house because it felt 
very natural to me. I, I understood coffee. I understood what it required. It wasn't this um, out of my comfort zone area. It was, it was just very natural. So from the beginning, the business plan included a, a cafe as part of the game store. Why your location then? Like, why did you, of all the places in the U.S. that you could have potentially set up shop, why where you are now? Uh, that um, picking our location took a lot of research. Uh, not only did I have to find the place with the right demographics, but I had to find a place that we would actually enjoy um, moving to and raising a child at. Mm-hmm. So I did a tremendous amount of research on demographics. There's a lot of free resources out there, libraries and online. There's a lot of software that you can get that shows demographics. I uh, talked to a lot of people about the ideal demographics for a game store. Um, it's actually a, a pretty narrow margin of, you know, you're looking for a particular kind of people that make a certain amount of money but not too much money and they have a certain amount of educational background. So I looked at a lot of places that had a lot of high tech that were not too big a city because bigger cities tend to have much higher rents and they're much harder to get around. So we looked at a lot of places on the East Coast. We looked at um, a lot of a lot of places in the Pacific Northwest that there's a there's a reason there's a lot of game stores there. It's because the demographics are right for it. We looked at Austin, and I settled on Fort Collins, Colorado, because it was a really great mid sized city with a lot of high tech going on here. So mm-hmm. a lot of cut people who would be interested in our kind of kind of products, and it was. Well, consistently voted one of the top 10 places to live in the United States over and over. So my wife and I came to visit and fell in love with the place and uh, said, this is it. This is the best place we, that we can move in the whole U.S. to start a game store. Okay, yeah. So how long did it take for you to make that decision? We spent probably a year, almost two years, making that decision. So it, mm-hmm. was, a, it was a long time. Most most people don't have the luxury of being able to open their store anywhere they want. They usually open the store in wherever it is that they're living at the yeah, time. Normally. But I, I would encourage people to look around, um, spend some time looking at the demographics of, of places nearby to you or within a, a decent amount of travel distance. Um, don't just, uh, just, don't just accept the demographics near you, but look around for the ideal location. Fantastic. All right. So we're getting closer. We're getting narrowed in on the subject. So why did you go with Haunted? I think having a theme helps you in a lot of ways. It it gives you a yardstick to make decisions against. It helps you build a brand about exactly how you're going to you know, build your business and, and what kind of, of levels of things your brand is going to have or are you going to be a deep discount place? Are you going to be a high-end place? Are you going to be you know, mostly retail? Are you going to be mostly um, gameplay area? So having a, having a theme really helps your brand. So I knew I wanted that, but I also knew that I absolutely did not want anything medieval. Uh, when I was growing up, every game store was the, the dungeon such and such or the dragon such and such or the... The nights, such and such, and very fantasy it, themed. It was the, every single one that I knew of was was all fantasy themed, um, and I wanted to stand out, and I did not want 
that same kind of generic cookie cutter feel. No offense to anyone who has one of those themes. I'm, it, it, if it works for you, fantastic. Uh, I, I just didn't care for it. So I had a lot of struggle trying to come up with a theme that I felt was, was good. And it, I was standing in line at Walt Disney, uh, Disneyland mm-hmm. with my wife to get on the, the ride for the Haunted Mansion. And I looked up and went, Haunted, that's it. That's, that's the, the theme one. I want. That's it. Not scary haunted, but f- like, fun like haunted. the way they do it, fun haunted, right? Kind of spooky, cool haunted. And it really spoke to me to that level of cool. Um, when I was growing up, game stores were were generally terrible. They were they were poorly run and very dirty and not some not places that you you know that you wanted to hang out. I mean, most of the most of the gaming that I did when I was growing up was in the basement of the game store, yeah. <laughs> which was not a finished basement. It was just <laughs> the basement. Really living up to that dungeon. It it was just like that. So I wanted to make sure that, that that this place was that we respected the gamers enough to do it right. We wanted to give people a place that that respected them as as people. That we didn't want to just have a junky place. Figuring, well, they'll come anyway. We we wanted to to give them that respect. And cool was the word that kept coming up over and over in our, in our brand was we wanted to, you know, we, we think these, this stuff is cool. We're not nerdy. We're not geeky. This stuff is cool. And we wanted to give people an environment that was cool and cool. People would want to hang out there. Cool. (laughs) So how does that play out in your uh, aesthetic? So is it just the name? Is it the name of your, your beverages? Like, uh, do you have ghosts hanging from the roof? You know, like what, how, how does it look? So what we are is Victorian Gothic. We have uh, a very Victorian theme. We have a lot of decorations of the uh, paint and the color scheme are um, Victorian um, look to them. A lot of Victorian decorations are, are just plain creepy anyway. Mm-hmm. So we don't go for any of the rubber skeleton kind of okay. that kind of thing. Um, not typical Halloween stuff. It is. There is absolutely nothing Halloween in the shop. There is okay. no pumpkins. We, I think we might have one skull somewhere that we thought was cool, but mostly we stay away from that kind of stuff. We're mostly looking for that kind of uh, Edwardian overly ornate kind of look that when you first look at it, you go, well, that's kind of nice. And then you look at it closer and go, wow, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> So that that we use that that kind of benchmark to uh, to make all our decisions. We just we decide, well, will this fit in the shop? You know, according to this yardstick. So all our themed uh, our drinks are all themed. They have uh, classic horror novel names. We name them after them: Vampire Lestat and Jekyll and Hyde, and and a lot of Edgar Allan Poe. There's a lot of Edgar Allan Poe references. Yeah, we have we have portraits of Edgar Allan Poe up around the shop. Um, some H.P. Lovecraft, um, and then a lot of you know, classic um, uh, horror movie, Hollywood horror movie type stuff. Okay, okay, you're giving you're painting the picture. I like it. 
you could come into the shop and and sit and play games for quite a while and then you know have somebody finally point out oh yeah oh yeah yeah i guess it is it does have that theme it's not it's not in your face we don't want to make it we don't want to make it a fun house right we know that people yeah. are there to play games and have fun yeah the games we, are still front row it's just exactly. stylized yeah right Right, okay. so we never we never want to let that intrude on people's uh, enjoyment of having and playing the games. All right, so let's let's start with let's start with something tough. Well, start. We're pretty well into this, but let's start with something tough. So, how long have you been open? How long have you been open for business? We are just about to be open seven years. All right, it so you've will had be seven, seven years. years. We opened uh, Halloween of 2009. Very appropriate. Uh, yep, we thought that was good. And uh, we're coming up on a milestone, seven, seven years. And actually, I can share that we just announced this morning that we are expanding. Oh. We are taking over the space next to us, and we are about to double our space. I saw that your blog poll, basically, about expansion or movement. Which one? Which one? Yes, we uh, we involved our customers in the decision, which was super rewarding. People were were very invested in what we should do. Okay, let's skip that. The question I was going to ask. So, <laughs> so that was that was a good move on your part. You put out the decision that uh, okay, we were thinking about doing this. You know, we we're either going to expand or we're going to move. And the feedback you got from your customers. Did that sway your decision or was that just more informing the fact that you made the right decision? Um, it, it, to be honest, it, it mostly it informed that we were on the right track. Hmm. Uh, by, by, but it was, it was very interesting to read the opinions of people who felt that we should do something different. Um, and we're not going to discount those in that, that information. We'll take all that information about the people who said that we should – uh, move to a second a second shop or open a second shop. Mm. Um, so we'll we'll keep that information on file for you know uh, in the near future when we you know think about what our next steps are going to be. Great, great. I, I definitely like the idea of getting feedback from your customers. Not and not every opinion that they're going to have is going to be worth listening to, but there's a lot of value in asking them what they want for sure. There was there was a lot of people wrote you know several paragraphs of you know what they felt that that, that we should do, and and a, a lot of it was very well reasoned out and and they put a lot of thought into it. So it was there it, it was some very interesting reading. Yeah, well, the the customers for game stores are pretty special, I think, in a lot of ways compared to other businesses. They get very invested in their shop, right? Like the people who will like come out three times a week or something and spend hours at your shop. They become your regulars. They become people that you get to know. They start to see your business almost as like their place to be. So I can see how they would uh, yeah. have some strong opinions as to how the, the direction you should go in the future. And, and they do have a much better insight into the, the day-to-day operations of, of how events actually feel to participate in. Uh, we know how it feels to run them. But it's another thing to physically sit in the seats for you know an hour playing whatever game you're doing, and then you know move to another location and and where am I going to put my stuff while I'm playing this? And oh gosh, the aisles aren't wide enough because you know all of a sudden everybody's getting up and moving to a new table. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, we don't we don't experience that as much as they do. So their insights about how the, those kinds of operations is, is super valuable. Yeah, yeah getting a, a customer's perspective rather than the owner's perspective. It's hard to take yourself out of your own shoes and your own position and like really see it from their side. So yeah, no, I really like that. So well, let's go back to the question I was going to ask before. So you've been open for seven years. What is the biggest obstacle or mistake that you've made in that time? Like it's the unhappy stuff first. What was the toughest thing? The toughest thing about being open that long, I would say probably dealing with the scaling up. Um, it's when you're running a small business, it's easy to fall into a routine of doing certain things on certain days. And, you know, you know that things cost a certain amount and things take a certain amount of time, but things are scaling up, right? The business is getting better. Mm. The business is getting more popular. You're selling your inventory of games is growing. The number of events you're doing is growing. So your, your methodology of, of how you're getting things done very quickly becomes outdated. So you get onto this kind of treadmill of why am I not getting my work done? I used to get my work done. Why am I not? Well, it's because your, your methods are not staying up with the scale of the business. So if I had to do it over again, I would recognize that I would have hired a manager much sooner than I did. I would have started putting in place uh, systems that scale much easier than they do now. Um, and try and remember that uh, that the amount of work you're going to do is going to go up a lot. So at what point did you have to hire a manager? I hired a manager, I believe, oh gosh, she's going to kill me, but I think it was two years ago, but it should have been much, much sooner. I really, really needed the help. Okay. And when you mean uh, scaling, do you mean just employees or do you mean like just... Like there's just more of everything that you have to do. More of everything. Absolutely more of everything. Um, it becomes uh, necessary to hire more employees. It's always a difficult decision to do because you're nicely profitable at the amount of employees you have. And to hire another one means you're cutting into that money. Uh, but it, it, you, can, you can clearly see that the employees are overworked, that they're having to do too much, that they're being asked to do too much. Hmm. Uh, but it, it, it's everything. It's the amount of accounting that you have to do. Uh, small business owners often can't afford to farm out their accounting. I still do a lot of it myself. I do farm out some. It's the, it's the planning of events. It's the simple buying of games. It sounds like it's easy. You just go and you know, order what games you want. But the amount of games that comes out every year the amount of games that comes out every week yeah. is an overwhelming number. It is it is very, very difficult to keep track of what's coming out when and whether you should put your money into it, whether you think you can sell it. Yeah, I think times have changed when it comes to games in general, not just board games, but card games and everything. The LCGs didn't exist before a few years ago. There's so much. It's, it's almost been like a renaissance for games that we've gone from, you know, 10 years ago, there was like the core stuff, you know, like Magic was still around, but there wasn't a huge number of competitors to Magic, whereas 
Now there's there's lots of games that you could potentially run and do events for, and then like board games alone seem it, it's a nightmare. There's just the number of the number of board games is just it's just staggering. Yeah, it really is. And 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 if they were all lousy, it would be an easy decision. Yeah, but they're not. Yeah, they're all you good. Know, some of the there a lot of them are are what we would call. Perfectly good games. They're they're not badly designed. They're they're they've got nice art and they're designed competently and 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 people want to buy them. So you you can't just disregard some of the the games from the smaller publishers. In fact, some of the biggest hits come from the smaller publishers, and you really have to be aware of when that might happen because they're more likely to become unavailable fast. So the small smaller publishers might have a hit on their hands. You really want to make sure that you are doing your homework and that you can see when that's going to happen so that you can stock up on that because you won't be able to reorder them. They're going to be out. Guards Against Humanity? As an example? or As an example. It's, it originally started out kind of obscure and then got to the point where people could not buy it if they wanted to. Right. We came into Cards Against Humanity a little bit after that because it was a, it was a Kickstarter, so it wasn't quite on our radar. Um, and then we were lucky enough to be contacted by them to become one of their direct retailers. Mm. So we're one of the very, very, very few retailers that's allowed to buy Cards Against Humanity wholesale directly from them and, uh, and sell it direct to the public. Have you ever played the game? I think it's... Um, a very popular game. <laughs> Fair enough. It's it's a party game. Party yeah, yeah, games sure. are are going to appeal to people who who want to have a good time. And I'm an I'm a grognard. <laughs> I'm a an old fashioned war gamer who likes you know chits and hexes and things like that. So um, it's not my cup of tea. But the people that buy it from me are thrilled to get it, and they have a wonderful time playing it. It's just it's an interesting uh, subject that a lot of star owners sometimes have powerful opinions on, based off of this this one game, right? Like, yeah, it's a great seller, but a lot of people are like almost morally outraged about the whole thing. Yes, yes, uh, and I can see that. I mean, that's the the nice thing about owning your own store is you can part of your brand is is what you're going to sell. That that yeah. goes into the design of your store. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's uh, let's go to the flip side of that. Instead of the toughest obstacle that you've overcome in the past seven years, what's the biggest success that you've had? What's the thing that you've been like, jackpot, got it? <laughs> jackpot. Well, the, the the fact that we built the store with a cafe from the from the start was was definitely the right decision. Um, we had people coming in from day one noticing that we had, were a cafe that sold games and just being blown away. And to this day, we still have people walk in and go, wait, I can sit and get a cup of coffee and play a game with my friends? That's fantastic. So it really was the right decision, as scary as it was to eat up the mm. a lot of the store footprint with cafe. Um it was it was definitely the right way to go. It was it was good for the brand. It was good for our customers. It was the right thing financially to do because it was a little scary in the beginning making that investment. Um, but yeah, I'm super I'm super happy with the way it turned out. Cool, cool. 
I think that's going to be the theme of the podcast. Cool. All right, so let's uh, <laughs> let's do some of the philosophical stuff, philosophical stuff. Some of the uh, the more I don't know thoughtful questions. I think so. The way I have this worded is many have tried and failed in this business. There's a lot of people who have you know come and gone. Game stores that have opened and then shut down within six months or a year, like they just disappear, right? Yes. What do you think sets the winners apart from the, the losers, the ones that don't make it? Like what is the main difference? Wow, that's that's super hard to do because a, a small business can fail for a, for a ton of different reasons. The biggest one is undercapitalized. You, you simply don't have the cash in the bank to weather those, you know, those slow sales, you know, those times. And uh, when you don't have that cash flow, you start cannibalizing your, your inventory. You start selling things at a, at a discount that you probably shouldn't be selling them for. And uh, you don't really have the money to buy more inventory because you're putting it into rent or employees or whatever it is that you're putting into. And then you get into a death spiral. You're, yeah. If you don't have things on the shelf, you're, you're not making any you're, money. You're done. You're nothing to yeah, sell, right? That's right. Exactly. So that's the that's a big part of it. What was the? Tell me, rephrase the question for me. What? Why? Why do things? What do you think fail sets apart first? sets apart the stores that you know take off after that, like first or second year? They okay, they hit the point where they're they're flying on their own, making sales. It's fine. Versus the ones who kind of just go then crash. So like, like undercapitalization. That that's definitely a factor for I don't know probably eighty percent or more of the stores that don't quite make it. But is there any like other structural things like uh, you know choice of the products or location or anything like that that you think really uh, contributes to the the success I, I, or the failure? Unfortunately, it's all of those things, and yeah. and you can never quite be sure you know what it was but yes absolutely picking a location that the design of your store i think pays a, a huge part in it you need you need that word of mouth right off the bat you need people coming into your store and either going this is great or often just as important you need them coming in going i have a friend who would love this mm. and you don't have the money in the beginning for that kind of for advertising so that word of mouth is super super important you need to have the right product mix at the beginning. At the beginning, you need to be a mile wide and an inch deep. You need to have a huge array of stuff, um, but don't put too much money in anything. And that's often hard for beginning game store owners because most of us have a specialty. You know, most of us came from a particular area of gaming, whether it was board games or Magic the Gathering or role-playing games or one of those things. So we have built-in biases. We have a, a built-in bias of what we think is cool, and we tend to stock the shelves more with that thing that we love. It can work out if you're the one doing the selling because you can sell best what you love best. So often you can make up a little bit of that, but your customers are very quickly going to tell you what it is that, that they want. When we started, we were mostly board games, no miniatures, um, a little bit of collectible card games, a little bit of this and that, just, just a couple of things. And within the first less than six months, 
I had regular people coming in and going, we love your place. Start carrying more magic. We want it. We will buy it. We Start buy carrying it. it. Yes. Right. We like it here. <laughs> this is where we want to buy our stuff. So, so I said, okay. That's Would a great you, market you, you signal. I will absolutely, uh, I will absolutely do that for you. And then you just uh, take off from there. Excellent advice. I like that. I like the way you put it too. Mile wide, inch deep. Maybe that'll be the title for the podcast. <laughs> All right. So this one's a little bit personal, and it's also personal for me. So, how do you deal with being a father and an entrepreneur at the same time? Oh. Like, what is your, how does that affect your life? Being a father while starting a business, and, a, and more than that, a father of a, of a very young daughter at the time, uh, was wonderful and challenging. I came from a corporate environment, which mm-hmm. was when I was doing video games. Electronic Arts is a huge company. Yep. And we worked very, very, very long hours. And I was working in Los Angeles at the time. So my 13-mile commute to work often took three hours to do. Wow. Yes. So that was the primary reason for getting out of that business and being my own boss. Now, because I'm my own boss, I can take off much more time to go pick up my kid from school and uh, spend more time with my family. I have that flexibility that I didn't have when I worked in an office. The downside is I'm the owner. I'm responsible for all my employees and the shop making sure that everything gets run the way it's supposed to get run. Mm -hmm. I mean, the employees run the shop. I mean, let's be clear. The employees are the ones who are running the shop. I, the work I'm doing is for a month from now, you know, to make sure that they have the tools that they need to do their job today. I need to plan for a month from now. So I have flexibility of time, but there's an enormous amount of work to be done. So I do spend a, a lot of time at work, not, not as much as I spend at, uh, as I used to spend in an office, but, um, being a being an owner is uh, is is often very very challenging. That I that I cannot spend as much time with my family as I would like. But the trade off is I can get that time off that I need. You know, if I need to pick my kid up from school, I can do that. If I need to get away to go, you know, see a uh, you know a, a a play that she's in, I I can do that. So the flexibility to me is is much more valuable than than just sheer time. I like that answer. I like that answer. Because I'm also trying to balance everything out with having a, a son now who's uh, 17 months and just starting to run around. Mm. So yes, it's it's tough doing your own thing or even just, like you said, being in the corporate world and having an, an insanely long work day with a massively long commute. Like, I guess now you have more, you have more flexibility. You can... You can do what you need to do when you need to do it, even if you are putting in the same number of hours or, or more potentially because it's your own business. It's a tough balance, though. It, it is very difficult. It is. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't lie to yourself. Be, owning your own business is, is uh, 
is a, is a lot of responsibility from an office job. You can walk away from it and do your best to turn it off. But, uh, yeah. but when you own the business, it, the responsibility comes with you no matter what. So what excites you about working in the game business? What is it that like you were like, yes, game store. <laughs> I love it. After seven years of doing this, I love this business as incredibly frustrating as it can be sometimes. <laughs> I still love coming in in the morning and um, looking through the uh, the game trade magazines to see what's coming up and getting super excited by some game that I think is going to be is going to be awesome. Um, I love my customers coming in and telling me about something that they did with a game or that they bought a game and, you know, they're telling me about the, you know, the scenario that they, that they did and that they were super excited by. I love working with my employees who are as a, even more excited by games than I am. Um, it's a, it really is a great business. The, the people that you're talking to and the, the work that you're doing is, is just it's challenging enough uh, to keep you interested, but it, it really isn't. Just it's just a lot of fun. I get, you can definitely feel the the passion that you have for it through <laughs> your voice. So I like that. I love my job. I really do. I mean, I complain about it a lot, but uh, I I love doing what I'm doing. And how many people can really say that? I'd say not many. Not 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 many. Not many. Not many. Okay, so. This is a question that I've, I've asked pretty much everybody who's been on the podcast at some point, and it's sometimes difficult to answer because it's different for everybody. But the question is basically, what does success look like for you? Right? So what is success in the Haunted Game Cafe? What does that mean for your store? What, do you, what would that look like for you? We've talked about this a lot um, in uh, amongst other retailers about what is what is success to you? Mm-hmm. Is it you know is it a, making a certain amount of money? Is it having a certain amount of time off? Is it you know having a certain number of stores? Is that success to you? And it's it really is a, a very personal thing. Um, I can look at another game store owner and, and think, mm, wow, you could be doing better, but they're. 100% happy. They are completely satisfied with where they're at and I absolutely cannot be the judge of their success. Only you can be the judge of your own success. So for me, time time is absolutely the most valuable thing for me um, to be able to be in a position where I can spend time with my family and, and, and go out and learn new things. I would love to be able to have the time to go you know, learn new things to help me in my business or just learn new things in, in, entirely. That's probably the biggest uh, success factor to me. And, and making sure that the, the shop is running by itself well enough that, uh, that I know that the employees are, are going to be taken care of. Uh, one of the things I've been working on lately is a succession plan. If I was ever to have to step away from the business, you know, would it keep running and how would it keep running? And that's the that's a that's a big part of it for me is to to make sure that it is entity unto itself and that mm-hmm. it's not me. You know, when the when I can actually step away and the shop just keeps going um, because all the systems and the people are are in the right place, that would be success to me. Um, I don't want to be 
the keystone or the linchpin yeah. of, of the shop, right? If they, if you pull me out, it falls apart. That would be terrible. I do never want to be that much a, um, a, a, a bottleneck, you know, for my shop. I want to make sure that, that it can operate, you know, by itself. Fair enough. It's funny though, with the word you were searching for, when you said bottleneck, I'm like, that's actually a very good point. I was thinking irreplaceable, you don't want to be something that can't be removed. You want to be able to just, if I walk away and I'm gone for three weeks because I got hit by a car, I want this, the place to still be standing and still running and still selling. I would, I would prefer won the lotto, but sure. sure. <laughs> hey, you know, success, you got to plan for whatever might happen, right? You got to be ready. Right. right. It's part of the plan. But uh, bottleneck is an interesting way of putting it too. Because in a way that it's definitely true, right? Like there's a certain number of things that have to funnel through you. And it's just, there's just you, right? You can't clone yourself to, to make it easier. So remo- removing the bottlenecks, that's another, you know, way of scaling past where you are too. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, every every business needs management. Like I said before, the employees actually run the business. But uh, management is there for, you know, when things don't go the way they should go. Um, so putting in enough systems and enough people to, to take care of that um, is one of my biggest goals. Cool. Cool. Yeah, keep coming back to that. It's stuck in your head now. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't, that's it. Okay. So what resources would you recommend for someone getting started? So if somebody wanted to, they were in the process, they're doing their business plan like today over the next six months to a year. What do you think they should bring to the table? Oh gosh. Well, first of all, you should join Gamma. You should join the Game Manufacturers Association and, and go to their convention. They allow people to join for, I forget what it is, a, a year or two years before you open your store. And they have specific programs at their at their yearly event specifically for new game store owners. And I'm, and I'm sure a lot of it would apply to planning game store owners as well. Um, you'll meet a lot of retailers and a lot of them have a, a tremendous amount of experience. And perhaps even even better than that, you'll meet very, very different kinds of retailers. You'll meet people like me who are, who are all about the design and the experience. You'll meet people who are all about sell. It's, it's how get it for the cheapest that you can and sell it for the most that you can. And you'll meet people that are all about events. Right, I know game store owners that do two, three, four events a day, and that's what they love, and that's what they're good at. So, game store is not this um, this this one cookie cutter style thing. There's a dozen, two dozen styles that can that can be successfully run. So, talking to other game store owners who have a similar mindset than you. I mean, think about what your what skills you bring to the table, and what kind of uh, what kind of feel and look and, and story you want to run, and find someone who's doing something similar to what uh, what your skill set is. That would be a huge thing. Um, like I said, demographics demographics are a huge thing. Uh, go to your local library. Um, often, uh, bigger libraries have a uh, researcher there who can help you, you know, do that kind of research. Uh, podcasts, podcasts like this are just incredibly valuable for you know, some of the nuts and bolts stuff. 
having a hard time thinking about anything else. Uh, oh, business classes. Um, mm. If you haven't run your own business already, um, the small business administration or their, you know, the the local places. Um, your city, almost certainly any decent sized city is going to run classes for basic entrepreneurs, basic bookkeeping, basic, um, your legal standing, whether you should be an LLC or in a corp and the differences between them, the basics of insurance, the basics of taxes. Uh, this, the city is always anxious to give you a little class on how to pay, pay your sales tax, um, and, and those can be very, very valuable, and the contacts you make can be very, very valuable. I also started going to a lot of uh, meetups with other um, business owners, and those can be hit and miss, but often those can – I've had people tell me that those are super valuable to go and talk to uh, owners of other businesses, not game stores, but just other small businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the most, uh, the best, um, the best advice I've gotten so far was from a gentleman who owned a chain of, uh, tire stores. Um, but we, we ran into the, the same problems, cash flow and you know, handling employees and, uh, and budgeting. It's, uh, it's a universal thing among small businesses. Yeah. So have a firm grasp on the fundamentals. Yeah. Like game stores are unique, but they're still, still a small business in a lot of ways and they share the same troubles. So yeah, if you know what you're doing with the basics and you got that down, you should be, well, you're setting yourself up right at least as opposed to uh, shooting in the dark. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Learning the basics of, of budgeting and, uh, and cash flow is, will be super essential. Yeah. And I like what you said about uh, talking to other business owners, not necessarily game store owners, but like just, other sectors. There's all kinds of, uh, of things that will apply from one discipline to another that you wouldn't necessarily think would make a lot of sense. Like you can learn a lot from somebody who, who runs a factory that manufactures shoes or something like that, that can easily apply to a game store and vice versa. There's things that uh, can go the other way too. So you never know where you might find something valuable and never, never miss out on the opportunity to like, to make a new connection because you never know where it might lead. That's true. That's absolutely right. You never know when someone, I mean, let me think about this, but I'm fairly certain all of the times that I have uh, bought, like uh, let's take insurance, right? You could just call somebody, you know, out of the blue, out of the phone book, or you could get a personal recommendation from somebody. I'll take the personal recommendation any day. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's a lot of services that you're going to need and being able to talk to other local business owners about, you know, who they use for credit card processing or insurance or cleaning services or accounting or any other of the, you know, the dozens of small things that you have to farm out. Um, finding, a, finding a local company to do that um, is, uh, is incredibly valuable. Uh, payroll. You know, find a find a local bookkeeper or a, a local company that can help you do the payroll, because that's not something that you, unless you're an expert at it, it is not something you're going to want to try and do yourself, because mm. the consequences of screwing it up are are tragic. Yeah. Tragic. That's a good way to put it. Well, yeah. Don't want to piss off your employees by, well, I forgot to get forgot to get paid this week. Sorry. Don't have the money. That's a shame. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really go very well. 
Plus, if you don't pay the proper taxes and the proper insurance, they will shut you down. Yeah. Yeah, government wants their money. All right. So if you had to start over from scratch today, is there anything you'd do differently? Hmm, that's a good question. I think I would have started putting money away sooner. Um, a, a few years into the business, I, I talked to a, uh, I talked to a, another game store owner who gave me the advice of take some money every week, put it into a savings account, and forget about it. Do your absolute best to pretend that it does not exist, um, because you're going to need it sometime in the future. Um, he ended up using his to get put a new roof on his shop. Um, uh, we're using ours to expand. Um, so I would probably, as as soon as we were able to, as soon as we were profitable, mm-hmm. I would have started, you know, putting some money away for uh, you know a mystery project sometime in the future. But other than that, I I don't I don't think I would have changed too much other than what I've said before, which was you know hire a manager much sooner than I did, um, and try and put in more systems that scaled much sooner than I did. Is there a, a target number? Or a percentage, even to to for save, your, like your kitty putting putting some money money away for a rainy day. Um, I tend to start sleeping better at night when I have at least three months of expenses in the bank, um, so that if you know for if for any reason the the city decides to tear up the street in front of your shop and mm-hmm. <laughs> no one can park and no one can get to your shop, you know something like that. Um, that we've got three months of payroll, three months of utilities, three months of all the expenses you know, put away, and that we could weather something like that. That's that's good stuff because that's actually what uh, where I live in Kitchener. They've been tearing up my downtown core, and many stores, like not just the game stores, many stores have been either shut down or forced to move, or you know, like just because. There's not a lot you can do about that once the city decides that, right. oh, we're going to put a monorail in. Sorry, guys. You need to suck it up. Yep. 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 The city will not. And, and you, no yeah, you never know what it's going to be. But, yeah, yeah that, was, that was the example that was used to me by another game store owner was, yep, the city just one day decided, yeah, they were going to tear up the street in front of our place. Yeah. Okay. So this one I put capitals and it's what is your big, hairy, audacious goal? And what that really means is like, what's something that you have, you know, inside that you've never, really, maybe never shared, but you're like, I want the biggest game store in the world, or you know, gosh. what is your goal? I gosh, um, I don't have that kind of ego, <laughs> and everyone around me laughs hysterically. Um, gosh, I, I I tend not to think that far ahead for fear of tripping over my own feet. I, I suppose I, I just want to make my store as, as comfortable and, and intriguing as, as I can. You know, I've always, I, I look at some amazing bookstores. Bookstores are a huge inspiration to me of some of the more classic bookstores like um, Shakespeare and company and, and things like that, that you could just, you could just go in and, and wander and wander and wander and just see wonderful thing after wonderful thing. Um, so that's probably what, you know, my, my ultimate dream goal would be is to, you know, to have a place where you could, you know, have that really cool corner booth to play games with your friends, 
to have a store big enough where you could wander the shelves and, you know, find really cool stuff. Um, and just have it as, as well designed out as I possibly can. I'm really all about that. Well, because I was a level designer for so many years, I'm all about the, the emotion you get when moving through a space. That's what video games are all about. And that's what uh, great, you know, great game stores are all about is, you know, wandering through that space and feeling like, wow, Oh, look at this. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, remember this. Um, and then being super comfortable with your friends and playing the game that you just found that was so so cool. I like that. That was a good answer. Wasn't as ambitious as owning the biggest game store in the world, but it was very <laughs> fitting and inspiring. I would say. Uh, I, like I think I think I know the guy who owns the biggest game store in the world, and it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. So, what's in store for the business in the near future? Describe what your expansion is going to be like. What's it? What's the new shop going to be like? The expansion is going to be a lot of fun. We are going to double the amount of space we have for games. So right now our games are jammed in pretty much all spine out and, uh, and this, the, the games that need attention are getting lost. So we're going to spread everything out. We're going to make sure that we have demo tables. We're going to make sure that all the games that are featured get the proper amount of space we're going to make sure that um, we increase the number of uh, lines that we carry, more miniatures, more board games. We're going to set up a special area for Magic players, uh, for the singles, for them to be able to go through singles, actually you know, sit at you know, little tables and, and play and, and search through the singles. We're going to r- really expand the cafe part. Um, mm. We're going to look to adding more food. And we're going to add a lot more seating and a lot more comfortable seating. We just got in on the board game table um, Kickstarter for their specialized game tables. So we bought uh, a couple of books. So we'll have dedicated board game tables. We'll have tables that are designed specifically for uh, two-player card games like Magic that you can draft at and uh, then play at uh, you know against your opponent. Cool. Uh, Miniatures tables, uh, booths big enough for role-playing groups um, so that they'll have their own little, you know, not semi-private, but, you know, kind of booth-enclosed area where they can, you know, where they can play their games. It's, uh, it's a super exciting time. We, uh, we've, we've spent a lot of time working on possible floor plans, and, uh, and uh, it's always exciting to, to think about, well, gosh, we could do this, we could add that. What if we had a painting station? What if we add, you know, a role playing area? What if we add, uh, what if we add a podcast area? What if we, you know, mm-hmm. live stream things? You know, what if we have like a little, you know, area that we can, you know, do interviews with people? It's um, it's a lot of fun to to plan out these things. Yeah, the level level designer is really coming out, huh? <laughs> I'm afraid so. <laughs> no, that's great. Okay, so. Are there any uh, closing thoughts that you want to share? Anything that uh, we didn't talk about that you really want to talk about? I don't. I don't think so. I think we did a did a pretty good job getting out uh, most of the details. Um, if you're thinking about running a game store, do your homework, but uh, but follow it through. It can be it can be very rewarding. 
we've seen um, we've been around now that we've seen customers come in in the early days, meet others over games, end up getting married, and now they're bringing their kids in. So it's it's super rewarding to see that kind of community build up around something that you that you built. It's um, it's great. Yeah, it's a very unique business and highly recommended. Highly recommended for the people who can do it properly and have the passion to back it up. Right. I would say that's right. Yeah, just having the having the passion to keep going when you're you're having to do that thing, whatever that thing is that you don't like, whether it's a, accounting or you know being in the front, you know the front of the store. Or, you know, there's always going to be some part of the the, the, the process. Shelves that, or cleaning yeah, the toilet but, or yeah, <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of things that you have to do as yeah. part of the. Being the business right. owner, you fill That's every right. role. So, and you have to you have to make sure that passion carries you through those those parts of the job. Absolutely. All right. So, tell the listeners where they can find you online and in real life. Well, real life would be uh, the Haunted Game Cafe in Fort Collins, Colorado. We're about an hour north of Denver. And if you want to get in touch with me, the best thing to do is send an email to the shop at ghosts at hauntedgamecafe.com. Okay. Uh, any social media you want people to take a look at or just the email? That's fine. Yeah, I think the email is fine. I uh, I try uh, to stay away from social media when I'm not working. Fair, fair enough. It's a, it can be a black hole if, uh, if you're not, not careful. Okay, well, well thank us. thanks a lot, Gary, for coming on the show. And oh, it was my pleasure. About your, your sweet store, your cool, cool shop you got going on and you know, <laughs> your, your history and everything. And I think, uh, I think the listeners are really going to like it. That's great. That's great. Uh, so check out our website if you want to see photos of the shop and uh, send us an email if you have any questions. And we will include some of those links that you mentioned, the uh, Kickstarter, some of the some of the other resources in the show notes as well. So if you... I, th- I think the Kickstarter for the board game tables is over, but... Oh, that's a shame. But, uh, yeah. We'll bring it up anyways just so people can sure. see what they could have gotten. <laughs> oh, just to taunt people. Just to taunt. <laughs> okay, well, we will talk to you next time guys all right guys that's it for this episode with gary sproul on the haunted game cafe i want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the maniverse podcast uh don't forget to check out hauntedgamecafe.com and uh give give gary some love let him know that uh you know you heard him on the podcast here and uh yeah if you're in the mood and you're mur- if you're looking for some cards i'm sure gary would be uh more than happy to sell you some some cards or some games or other excellent products uh, you don't forget I also want to mention one more time just at the end of the outset I'm going to keep it quick and short manversaga.com forward slash bluehost August 9th flash sale $2.95 a month for 12 months great deal check it out if you're in the market for a new website or you want to switch web hosts bluehost is the one August 9th is the day manversaga.com forward slash bluehost okay with that being said That is the end of this episode of the Metaverse Podcast. I've been your host, Tom Traplin, and I will talk to you next time. Have a great night, everybody.